You're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is the Sober Podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. You can always find the show notes, some posts, and all of my other tools over on decidedlydry.substack.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 87. This episode not only marks the last episode of 2023, but is also wrapping up our current season. Decidedly Dry will be taking a brief break as we line up all of our amazing content for the new year. As we sign off for the year, I do want to make sure that I just take a moment here to say thank you. Thank you for being here, for listening, and really for just supporting me. It warms my heart to know that these conversations are reaching you. And every time you push play, well, my friend, that motivates me to keep hitting record. So thank you. Before I get to today's amazing conversation, I would like to remind you that while we may be in between seasons, I will be present and active over on Substack. What is Substack? Great question. It is where I publish my newsletters, my journal prompts, and writing. It is also where you can find a library of past episodes, posts, and more. Most importantly, it is where I will be running my Digging Deeper with Decidedly Dry January Challenge. That is a mouthful, sorry. (laughs) But we will be focusing on staying alcohol-free all of January And for those that are interested, adding in a movement and faith piece as well. All is completely optional, but it's just something I'm offering to my paid subscribers that are just needing a little accountability and or inspiration in the new year. You can find all the info at decidedlydry.substack.com. And don't worry, it'll be linked in the show notes below. All right, my love. So let's get to today's episode. Today, I am chatting with my new BFF, Becca. Becca is the mama, CEO, and coach behind the Motherhood Mentor and the Nourished CEO. She lives in Colorado with her hubby of 13 years and their two kiddos. Becca is a somatic mind-body coach who works with leaders in healing spaces to lead and heal themselves. She specializes in somatic healing, somatic parts work, Enneagram, emotional leadership, and boundaries. You guys, I absolutely loved my conversation with Becca. In fact, I, I kind of feel like I had to cut it off because we could have talked for hours. And actually, what's so funny is we did talk for a long time. We talked so long about so much good stuff that I literally have to break this episode into two parts (laughs) because we go out or after the hour mark. And I really try to keep my episodes around, you know, 30 to 40 minutes. That is too much information that you don't have to worry about. That being said, this is a two-part episode, meaning that you will get the first half today, and I will probably publish the rest of it shortly thereafter. So this is part A, and I hope you enjoy our chat. 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Jess with Decidedly Dry. And I am super excited because I have a new friend here, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hey, Jess. (laughs) I am super excited for our topic today. So listeners, before we dive in, I'm just going to briefly say that um, we're not going to be talking about a sober story today. I've asked Becca to come on because she is my new Enneagram guru and is going to kind of just talk about all things Enneagram. And we've already kind of laughed before we hit record because we don't know where this conversation is going to go. I mean, we have ideas, but whatever happens, happens. And I'm just so thrilled to have you here. So I would love to start off. Don't feel like you need to go too in depth, but tell listeners who you are. So maybe where you live, what you do for a living, if you have kids, all that good stuff. Yeah, we're right before we hit record, Jess and I were laughing that I never know what to do with intros. I'm like, how long of an intro do we want? Like, how deep and explicit are we going right away? Uh, But I'm Becca or Rebecca, either is fine. Um, I have two kiddos, um, early, mid-elementary, new middle schooler. Um, So I'm in like the middle parenting phase, which is fascinatingly hard in its own new ways. And married to my husband, Jay, we live in Colorado. It's beautiful and sunshiny here. So that made me really happy. Um, And I'm a life coach and I specifically work with women, high functioning women, mostly who are really, really good at taking care of others, but sometimes struggle taking care of ourselves. And I'm so excited to talk about Enneagram today. It's one of my favorite topics that I could geek out on forever either on the level of like pop psychology, like fun quiz type of things, but also Enneagram is like a deep spiritual medicine and way to do like shadow work. So pretty excited for it today. I'm super excited. Um, I'm so excited for all of this. And I think we have kids about the same age when you were describing that. I was like, oh, yep. Yep. Me too. One middle schooler, one elementary. And yeah, it's wonderful and challenging and all the things. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, For those people out there, and I mean, I kind of am wondering, like, what exactly is the Enneagram? I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is kind of a newer thing, new-ish. I mean, I feel like I hear it more, have heard it more over the past few years. But for people that have heard this word and are like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, I know it's a thing, but what is it? (laughs) They see the star and they're like, what is happening? Um, (laughs) So it actually isn't new. It's actually pretty, man, I'm not an expert on like the whole history of Enneagram and, um, it's, it's not new, but it is more popular in pop psychology and it's talked about a lot more recently. And it depends on who you ask what the Enneagram is. The way that I approach the Enneagram is that it is a helpful tool and a language to understand ourselves. I don't think it is who you are. I think it is a language and an awareness of who you are. So you are already who you are. Enneagram is just a way of understanding that and having very practical tools of how to bring choice back to your life. So essentially there's there's nine different types, if you will, in the Enneagram, and there are nine different ways of seeing the world. There are nine different ways of the way we fixate Hmm. on things. And there's kind of the pop psychology Enneagram, which is like kind of fun and cutesy and 
you know, oh, I'm this type and -and so-and-so is this type. And there's like the lightheartedness, which I actually love. I, I think it can be really fun, but then there's like the deep spiritual medicine of like, oh, this is what I'm ashamed about. Mm -hmm. This is what I struggle with. This is my shadow side, right? Like each side kind of has this weakness and this strength and our weakness is often like the strength over underutilized. And so the Enneagram is just describing those nine kind of different ways of orienting to the world in a way that's very tangible. And I, I really do feel like it's like a cheat code. Like I, the reason I went and got certified in Enneagram is because I started to get clients who on the intake form, or when I would first meet them, I was like, Oh, I get why they would want to work with me. And then we'd start working together. And I realized she might resonate with my marketing. (laughs) I'm using air quotes. I remember they can't see me. I do that all the time. (laughs) Air quotes. We'll just say it out loud. Um, They'd come in to work with me though. And then I'd realize they're doing it for a different reason. They have a different dysfunctionality than I do. They don't need more thinking. They need more feeling. They don't need more feeling. They need more doing. And so understanding that each different woman has these different biological nurtured nature things. And so five, nine people might be presenting very similar things as a mom, Mm -hmm. right? That's like the main people that I work with. Nine moms might come to me with very similar intakes, very similar issues, And yet they have nine distinct medicines that they need to be able to show up to those things in a different way. It's also just understanding why am I doing the thing that I do? Why am I not doing the thing that I want to do? I, what I love most about Enneagram is that it gets to not just what are we doing, but why, Hmm. what's our resistance to it? Because that's going to be so individual. And I love the way that Enneagram helps us know ourselves and know each other in such a like deep and raw way that I don't feel like I had until I had the Enneagram. So I really feel like it's a tool Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have really like dogmatic and like strict ways that they use the Enneagram. And I'm more of the type of like, if you're using it for healing, if it's, if it's serving your relationships, use it however you want. It's a tool. (laughs) Like it's a tool at the end of the day. So are you using it to hurt or using it to help? So that's kind of like my big, broad view of what that. the Enneagram is. Yeah. Yeah. And they're numbers, right? They're numbers. Yeah. One they use nine. numbers to kind of understand which type you are um, and the little star thing. So when you often see like an Enneagram, there's like a circle and then it kind of looks like a star. So this is why I think this is why people think that Enneagram is like cultish is because <laughs> there's like there's different levels of depth that you can understand the Enneagram. So there's your type, but then there's also your subtypes, your wings, wings. Okay. Each of us have paths. So like I'm a two. And so I can go to a four or an eight in my stress or the way that I relate to my family. So that's been really fascinating. I've loved using paths lately. So essentially all those different lines that you see are the ways that the numbers interact with each other because mm-hmm. all of us have the ability and the choice to have all of those nine types in different kind of levels if you will but we have this one fixation that we typically it's like it's our main it's our thing it's our it's our Achilles heel it's that thing that is so innate in us that we just unconsciously go to and 
it can get really confusing if you just go right off the deep end. So it's like, if you're new to Enneagram, it's like, don't worry about any, any of that. Just play with it. get curious, see what resonates with you, pick up a book about it. You know, one of the fun things about any, there's so many quizzes and tests and it's a really hard thing to test for. Um, and my preference is actually like, start reading, look up memes for Enneagram, see what resonates with you, see what makes you laugh. And also what makes you kind of want to hide your head. The type that you have this like check of like, Oh, I don't want that. It's like that. It's probably speaking right to that thing. Interesting. That is you that you don't want to know. That might be your type. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, I'm so glad that you pointed that out too, because I ah. think for people that hear about the Enneagram, sometimes you get so excited. I feel like this is totally dating me, but like it was like in those all those magazines when you take all the quizzes. Like, oh my gosh, gosh yes. who is my celebrity crush? Or yes. who would which, I match? Which with? Harry Potter house are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like, I need to know. I need to know. Um, and I and don't think they're bad. Right. But, but like, I also have, I, this is where I vary from a lot of people. I work with a lot of clients who like will switch their type or who will say, I don't know if I'm this type. And I'm like, that's okay. Are you resonating with it? Let's run with it. Because right. if you're resonating it, like I said, it might have a deep spiritual medicine that you need. And if that's not who you are, that's okay. You'll figure it out. It, it like, it's just a tool. It's right. Is it harming you to think you're the wrong Enneagram really? Like, so <laughs> you're not I, think stuck. Quizzes, <laughs> I think quizzes are a really fun way to like play with the Enneagram, which is a great way to get started with it. Okay. And maybe, yeah. I mean, I'm totally putting you on the spot, but if you no. have some <laughs> tools or specific websites that you recommend as good ones to kind of start with. We'll totally put those in the show notes yes. for you guys I'll that are totally listening. Share those. And that I also awesome. do, I do free um, exploration calls where we get to just kind of play with, oh, I took this type or, hey, I'm this type. What does that really actually mean? Like, can you help me kind of figure this out and just see if Enneagram is something that you want to explore deeper? Perfect. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and I love that because I think with the people that are listening or the people that are sober curious or have been sober for a while, we want to know ourselves better. We're on like this quest and I'm not talking about everybody, but I'll use myself as an example. I think it's very common that when we make this big life change or this big, you know, habit, this routine, this person that we identified as for so long and it changes. Now we're like, well, who am I? Like, I gotta, I'm really digging deep now to kind of figure out what makes me tick. Like, who am I? How do I want to, you know, deal with this new version of myself? So kind of bridging off of that, do you find that, or in your opinion, do you think that discovering your Enneagram when you're in early sobriety could be a great tool? I mean, absolutely. I think one of the nice things with Enneagram is it, it can be an easy medicine, especially at first, like it's a really good entrance into self-work if you're not ready for really, really deep work yet. Um, I don't know your experience, you know, we're just new friends, but when, when I'm in a big transition, like motherhood or, 
you know, I've gone off alcohol before and, you know, I, I didn't have a dependency. I'm like a lot of people who go sober. I didn't have a dependency use issue. Um, I wouldn't say I struggled with it. And yet when I took it out of my life, there was kind of this, like, what you like see mm-hmm. the world and yourself in a whole different way. And there's an ease with Enneagram, I think, especially at the beginning, because it, it brings this awareness around yourself and the way that you move within the world and what you actually want and need. And I think that's something that when we're going through an identity change, understanding what is the medicine that I need? What is that thing that I'm missing? You know, where am I unbalanced? And I'm trying to use this thing to balance me, but it's not working. Like I'm putting band-aids on bullet holes. I really feel like Enneagram can get straight to the heart of the issue instead of dancing around it without needing to go do deep, hard processing work, which by the way, I'm a big fan of, I'm a huge fan of therapy. I'm a huge fan of having space held for you. And I think that's not everyone's journey. That's not what everyone needs. And for me, the gift that Enneagram gave me when I found it is it really, I honestly was in a place where I needed relief from codependency, which is its own kind of addictive state. Mm -hmm. And when I found Enneagram, it gave me this awareness of why I was doing what I was doing and how to break my way out of it. The ways that I was spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and relationally immature, it gave me specific, tangible ways to grow that maturity, Mm -hmm. to build capacity in my body and my thinking in ways that I had overcompensated in my feeling, the ways that I had overcompensated in what I was doing. And so I definitely think it could be helpful for people in any journey, but especially when you're in a journey like motherhood or sobriety or being an entrepreneur, when you have this desire to grow, Mm -hmm. to become healthier, it's so what I think what's special is really seeing how Enneagram pulls together so many different facets, right? So early on as a coach, I did a lot of mental coaching and I've recently moved and incorporated a lot of more somatic. So body-based, soul-based, a little bit more spiritual healing, if you will. That's like, um, it's just different than mindset mm. coaching. It's less directive and noticing how Enneagram brings those all together of, how do you move with the world? Do you move against it? Do you move towards it or do you move away from it? And understanding that like when you're activated or when you're frozen, what are you using to bring yourself back? But what are the ways that you can bring yourself back without a substance, Mm. without codependency, without overworking, without people pleasing? And each of their different types has a different way that they tend to kind of overcompensate they each have this innate gift that is often, again, over or underutilized, right? So as a two, I have this beautiful gift of empathy and feeling. And yet I had to learn how to feel something and do nothing about it. Mm. How to witness you feeling something and me doing nothing about it. Whereas I used to constantly move towards, move towards, it was this people pleasing. So there's different stances in the Enneagram. So understanding you know, what, what's my type? And then finding like, do I move against things when there's conflict? Mm. 
do I move towards it with people pleasing and with fawning or do I move away from it and just like shut down and pretend it's not happening or sweep it under the rug? It, it gives you this understanding of, oh, this is how I'm moving through the world. But what I love is then it brings in this choice of, is this what you want? Right. Is that this is just a fixation. Enneagram is just a fixation. It's not who you are. It's giving you the language to say, this is what you're doing. And now that you know, do you want to choose differently? Mm-hmm. You do have a choice. And I think it, I love that it gives very specific and individual ways of knowing, okay, how do I move differently? How, okay, I see what I'm doing. <laughs> so many yeah. women like growth space, we get hyper fixated on like what we're doing wrong and our trauma responses and why we're doing what we're doing. But those don't actually help you create a new way of being Mm -hmm. a new way to exist in your body, a new way to relate to other people or foods or alcohol or your business. But when we have choice and when we have true awareness, that's not just felt, but it's, you know, so there's different instinctual centers. There's different intelligences of feeling, thinking, and knowing and doing. And Enneagram really helps you see, oh, I'm using all my feeling, but I've stopped using my thinking. Hmm. I need to develop my thinking. I need to bring my thinking and my feeling together. I need to bring my instinct and my thinking together. And it like, it brings you all back online. And then you have this choice of, do I want to still keep doing this? Or do I want to do something different? Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to re-listen to all of this like four times for it to all like sink in and take notes because that was so, so good. And so much of it just applied to, I know the listeners that, you know, go through this, you know, or can identify with those big feels. And I think yeah, the thing that I really resonated with or really connected through all of that was just that, that feeling and thinking because Mm -hmm. I help a lot of women and talk with a lot of women who, you know, they're most triggered or most tempted when they're tired or they're hungry or they're stressed or they're feeling these big feels and they want to escape it. And so I think, you know, by pouring that glass of wine or whatever that drink of choice is or whatever it might be that, you know, might be their Mm go-to numb out activity, you know, if they pause and maybe kind of, dug a little deeper and realized, okay, like, what have I learned about myself? If I'm using this Enneagram tool, like, how do I know that, you know, I could react differently? I've got all these feels, but maybe I need to kind of think about it and correct me if I'm totally just off on this. But I think if they were to take that moment to think it through and Mm -hmm. say, okay, I know how I usually react in this situation. I know, you know, what my big feels are. What if I did something different? Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, that, I mean, that aligns right with what yeah. I see. And especially, I love that you, that pause, mm-hmm. that pause is so important. And I think it's so cool when you have this way of seeing, can I pause when I see the yellow and the orange flags? Cause I think it's, you know, it's interesting. You, I work with a lot of high functioners and part of that is because I'm a coach, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are people who they're functioning really well in their lives. And so the, the kind of downside to high functioning is that like you often ignore smoke until it's fire. Mm. 
you ignore burnout until you are laying on the floor collapsed and cannot do anything else. And I think what's beautiful with the, the deep, the deep raw level of awareness that Enneagram can bring that spiritual medicine is understanding what are my like yellow and orange flags and, and how do I build capacity for those reactions in me? So instead of like looking at your actions and your behaviors as the problem, you see your actions and behaviors as a symptom Hmm. of a problem. It's, it's simply a need that's not met. Right. It's, it's, oh, I'm overwhelmed and I'm overstimulated. I know how to care for that without a glass of wine Mm -hmm. in a way that actually serves me, that actually gives me this thing that I really want to need, even when I'm grasping for it and don't have energy to do this big, long thing. That's hard to do unless you've built this inner capacity and this inner self-trust and self-trust I have found is, is not thinking that, you know, all the right things or that you're going to choose the right things or behave the right way all the time. It's knowing when I behave out of my alignment, when I behave out of my values, I know how to pivot. Mm -hmm. I know how to forgive myself. I know how to have grace. Um, one thing that I really, really love with an Enneagram that I don't think a lot of women have outside of it is understanding that the women who love rigidity and structure, they often go to that when they're struggling as a way to support themselves, right? If they're very logical and problem solving and they love like a plan and a list, they're struggling and they'll go to that when often they need the other to counterbalance it, right? So they have tons and tons of self-control and they start struggling. So they put their foot on the gas when what they needed was some grace, they needed some rest. They needed the feelings, which are not their favorite thing to do, right? There's the women who are the big feelers and they end up being driven by their feelings because they're ignoring their feelings or they're driven by their feelings because they've put the toddler in the driver's seat and said, like, go. Um, I went, I just went into an object lesson without even explaining it. Sorry. So, <laughs> um, I, One of my favorite lessons when it comes to like emotional intelligence and maturity, which is big in Enneagram actually, is when it comes to emotions, when it comes to logic, we have a tendency to treat it like a toddler in the car. And some of us will put the toddler in the driver's seat and we'll be like, our emotions are just driving us everywhere. They make our decisions for us. They inform us of everything. But then that gets terrifying. So some people shove them in the trunk. Or someone witnessed, oh, my dad, when he was emotional, was dangerous. I can't be angry. I'm going to put it in the trunk. Hmm. That's not where your emotions belong. They do need to be in the back seat. There needs to be boundaries. They need to be buckled in the car seat. But unlike a toddler in the car, those emotions are telling you something so important. But those emotions need an adult. They need an adult in the car who is driving and you need all of your systems online to do that. You need your head, your gut, your heart, your soul. You're a whole person. That whole adult needs to be the one in the driver's seat. And so understanding is my problem with emotions that I keep grabbing that glass of wine or whatever the behavior is, is it because your toddler is driving or because your toddler has been throwing a fit? your toddler's been 
not getting their needs met for so long that they're throwing a fit to get attention. Or I also see this, they've shut down. Their needs weren't getting met. And so they just went numb. They flatlined. They're like, Mm. my needs aren't getting met. So I'm just going to shut down my emotions. And then the problem with that is I don't feel anything. Mm. And so that's a very different journey to sobriety, right? Like I'm feeling too much. And so I need alcohol to numb it, or I'm feeling too much. And so I have to be codependent to numb it. Right. I'm feeling too much. And so I have to go overwork to like distract myself or I'm not feeling anything. And so I need a drink to make me feel something. I'm not feeling anything. And so I'm going to go eat a bowl of ice cream because that makes me feel something good. And I don't feel my body unless I'm doing this. Right. And so it's all these different ways to get our needs met. But if we just knew what our needs were and we could feel them and we could understand that we are capable adults, you're not a kid anymore. Right. You're not a toddler anymore. You're not a child anymore. What age are you right now? Like literally thinking, how old am I today? And then our work, I think a lot of times is bringing our mental, emotional, and spiritual maturity up to our age level, and then hopefully continuing to grow it. That's why it's Mm -hmm. constant work. We're never done with this quote unquote healing work because I don't know about you, but in five years, I want to be a little bit older. I don't expect my eight-year-old to act like my 11-year-old. There's nothing wrong with my eight-year-old, but I really hope they mature (laughs) into this. And I really, really hope my 11-year-old matures out of the teenage phase too, right? right? And yet- Our culture doesn't give us the tools to do that. Right. Really. Our culture did not give us mental and emotional maturity skills. They did not give us conflict resolution skills. We did not learn boundaries or communication. And what I love is Enneagram feels like a cheat, like a cheat code of like, it gives you communication. It gives you conflict. It tells you like, are your boundaries too rigid or are they too porous? Like a sponge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. My soapbox. I'm like, oh gosh, I went off. All right, you guys, that is the end of part one of my amazing chat with Becca. There was just too much goodness that it had to be split into two episodes. So once you finish this episode, do not stress. There is more to the conversation in part two. Go ahead and push play on that and we will pick up right where we left off. All right, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for pushing play today and hanging with me. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. Grateful for this message and want more? Head on over to decidedlydry.substack.com. There you will find all of my writing, a library of past episodes, and an option to subscribe. That gives you access to many, many more tools for not only your sober journey, but for all areas of your amazing life. It has sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.